<laughs> you said... Get fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. With filthy mouths and bad attitudes. Featuring Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Also featuring Parker. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And our special guest, Alex. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Big One. Uh... Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. My name is Chris, with me as always is Parker and Alex, and we watched Air Force One, the second best plane hijacking movie to come out in 1997. Two hours, huh? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty close. <laughs> Just a little bit over, actually. There's a very good hour and 45 minute long movie in here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Correct, yeah. <laughs> This is a little different from Con Air because, like, when the third act of Con Air hits, you're just like, "All right, I get more of this." Whereas with Air Force One, you're like, "What? There's more? Guys, well, yeah, what, we what else can they do?" Yeah. <laughs> Surely a jet plane won't jump in front of the presidential plane and take a bullet for him. Surely I won't see a jet <laughs> hop in front of a missile. <laughs> Alright, uh, before we get into Air Force One, before we hop aboard Air Force One, Parker, do we have any news? Chris, what movie do you want to see less? Cruella 2, with the same writer and director coming back, or Rob Zombie's The Munsters, which I thought was a joke until I saw the actual news article. Okay, so joke's on you, this is actually an easy one, it's Cruella 2. The Munsters? I have to admit, I'm a little intrigued. Now... It's fairly well known on this podcast. I don't like Rob Zombie. Uh, I think he's the Ed Wood to Eli Roth's Coleman Francis. There's a reference for two people. Uh, I'm not one. Not, of not us. <laughs> Someone out there who's probably not listening to this is going to enjoy Correct. That. Well, <laughs> the very least is for me. Anyway, uh, you know, every single thing that Rob Zombie has done that I've hated has been like super hardcore R-rated, borderline X-rated, uh, that Halloween movie... House of Thousand Corpses, uh, uh, the uh, Haunted World of El Super Beast. I have to remember that name. I wish I didn't. Everything he's done that I've seen has been horrible, but it's always been in that super gory way because he always goes too far with it, where to the point where it's not really scary or even edgy. It's just kind of annoying. With the monsters, like there's an established thing here. You can't make that anything above PG unless it's like the Brady Bunch movie, in which case it'll be satirical and it'll be PG-13 at most. And I'd still watch that because the Brady Bunch movie's really good. So I don't know quite what he's going to do here. I know he wrote an entire song, his best song, about a car from the Munsters. So this might have potential. Tell you what, I'm going to take him at his word. Maybe this will be good. Give him the benefit of the doubt. What could possibly go wrong? Rob, if you're listening, that's not a challenge. <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, all joking aside, he loves classic horror as much as you hate his movies. So, like, I'm sure it'll be perfectly fine. Like, But, you know, there's it's, always the it's chance really great. That they'll just let him because if Netflix just gives him money, then we're all fucked. No one fucking owns. You're like, yeah, you know, he's probably gonna be respectful of this classical horror property, just like he was of Halloween, yeah, just like he was last time. 
<laughs> this one's not going to be R-rated though. And if this if if this comes out and, and it's R-rated, you don't know that. Yeah, but, I mean, let's be honest. Oh man, that's possible. the thing. It's like if this comes out and it's R-rated, because like I this could have be to like see a, it even more because it's an R-rated Monsters movie. Like family horror comedy that comes out in October, or it could be like, all right, Netflix has acquired. And it's like, oh fuck, no one's going to tell right, them no. Yeah. We're all fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If uh, if this ends up with an R rating, it's going to be the first only takes two situation where I'm not in the two. So <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> See, this mutually is the wild assured thing destruction on my invoice. <laughs> This is the wild thing, though, because it reminds me of the Flintstones movie, the Brady Bunch movie. When those came out, those were like mid-90s movies. By that point, the people who had originally watched those shows were adults, and they were getting on their years. They still remember those shows, and they were like, oh yeah, that's really good. Who's alive today that remembers the Munsters, besides my dad? Yeah, exactly. Like, I remember my dad telling me jokes about, like, from the Munsters, and, like, I think I've seen, like, 30 minutes of it ever, because it just, like it wasn't on like it didn't make it onto like nick at night or anything so i just never saw it yeah this see is like son, making... uh, the grandpa hosted a uh, horror pictures on the local public access channel cool yeah. Th- thanks dad <laughs> this is gonna be like <laughs> making a feature-length animated film about gertie the dinosaur no one's alive that remembers that and the people who do they don't gertie actually the dinosaur yeah that on. was the gertie the dinosaur was like uh, an animated test thing one of the first animated creatures that came out in like the 19 early 1900s like 1903 something like that uh, it's... So any other <laughs> the juxtaposition of like, yeah, who would know that? Well, actually, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna follow that up with that the people who like know that stuff, they're not gonna go see that sort of movie because I don't want to watch a Gertie the the dinosaur movie. Unless he has two co-hosts that really fucking hate him. Yeah, unless his teams <laughs> do really really bad. <laughs> uh, 17, 17 games this year, boys. Don't forget. Oh, fuck, that's right. fuck. Man. <laughs> I gotta finish that wheel. <laughs> Did you say wheel? Hey, uh, Parker, you might get an opportunity later in the show to uh, get some of those wheel assignments off your plate. Just uh, remind me. Oh, jinkies. <laughs> that sounds dubious. Can't wait to find out. Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. Alex, go ahead for your jerk of the week. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know, most weeks, I'm like, you know, you're going through the week, you're trying to come up with what your jerk of the week's gonna be. Something funny happens, you make a note of it. A lot of times you just, like, don't get anything. And then somebody bails you out the couple hours before you record. So, uh, Chris, uh, do you have Three Brothers Pizza down there? I don't think I do. I could be wrong, though. Like, I know it's a chain, it's like a local chain, and it's got, like, pretty big exposure in Maryland, but I don't know if it's all the way down there. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm checking. Okay, well, uh, the only important point for the story is that Three Brothers Pizza is a local pizza chain that we have gotten food from several times. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're sitting around, it's like lunchtime, and my girlfriend tells me, hey, I want to go to that international store in the shopping center with the Three Brothers. So I'm like, okay, sure, like, let's go. And we get in the car, we drive to the shopping center with the Three Brothers, there's no international store. I'm like, okay, well clearly you mix this up with something else like where do you actually want to go so she gives me the address we drive there it's a shopping center that you know we've been to this international store before we've been in this shopping center several times and i'm like i look at her and i'm just like okay tell me which place in here you thought was the three brothers and we're driving through and we're driving through and she goes that one and it's a pet boys (laughs) (laughs) 
the look on my face. Get her in here. Get her in. Come on. <laughs> so anyway, Why is my jerk the funniest person I know. <laughs> it's it would be an incredible bit if it were ironic. <laughs> Just so good. <laughs> But anyway, my jerk of the week is the Pep Boys, because obviously, the the logical extension of that was, like, her going, you don't know, they could be brothers, so I googled it. And it turns out that not only are they not brothers, but there are four of them, not three. And the only reason there's three on the logo is because two of them were named Mo. <laughs> Can you imagine being, like, the two guys named Mo and being like, nah, just, let's just mash our faces together to make this logo in the 20s. Like, are you fucking serious, guys? This is the third Paul brother. <laughs> His name is Logan. You know how hard it was to bury the feelings of the Paul brothers versus the Pep Boys in that conversation oh, we were having I'm, off I'm impressed, so, honestly. I'm gonna, I would have burnt that whole story. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go next. <laughs> My jerk of the week is one Stephanie Stratus. We went out to Korean barbecue, and she was there. And we were like, "Oh, let's get some dokbokki." Dokbokki is spicy rice cakes. And the guy was like, "Oh, sorry, you know, we're out of spicy rice cakes. There's a spicy rice cake shortage. I didn't know there could be such a thing." Stephanie was so upset that she was pounding with both fists on the table, saying, "Give us cakes." Give oh. us cakes. My God, she's Josh in her thirties. <laughs> Josh's like, all right, what are we? Uh, what are we pounding the table for? <laughs> You're just gonna, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Parker, your jerk of the week. Unfortunately, Alex, my jerk of the week is also your girlfriend because I've been thinking of <laughs> an extremely Max's dad movie for a week straight. <laughs> I have told like five different people the entire story for not knowing that his dad is named Goofy. <laughs> It's all I've thought about. <laughs> it is all consuming. Like, as soon as we hit stop, I went out there and went, you're never going to fucking believe this. <laughs> one of the funniest things I've ever heard. I think I told the other Alex about Orgy. <laughs> really, it's been three weeks in a row, and, like, I almost feel bad about it. But, like, which one of those stories was I going to cut? Like, come on. Exactly. Well... <laughs> The Oregon one is especially appropriate for uh, Pride Month, although I do think the best thing I've ever heard about Pride Month is doing the proud thing from Freddy Got Finger. <laughs> like, I think I mentioned this, but like, my immediate supervisor is a humongous Disney fan, and their favorite movie is a goofy movie. I've never been more excited to go into work than to tell her that story. I was so excited to tell her. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> All right. Hope, hope she's doing well. Yeah, she she's doing better than I am, I guess. <laughs> oh, you need to take her on the road, man. <laughs> we can yeah. open for her. All right. Let's talk about what we watched recently. Alex, you talk about war movies quite often, and you've got your favorites. Uh, let me see if I remember what they are. Uh, I think you mentioned you liked Dunkirk. You mentioned that you liked... Paths of Glory, um, The Thin Red Line, and The Outpost. Are those the big four for you? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, you you seem to put those on a higher pedestal than other war movies, and I think I would agree with all of them except for uh, The Thin Red Line because I had diarrhea when I was watching it. So that does Yeah, that's fair. That movie's like four and a half hours long. Bad <laughs> yeah, movie to have diarrhea during. Tough, man. Anyway, I watched a different war movie. It's called Console Wars, and <laughs> it's about the Sega Genesis versus the Super Nintendo. And uh, I'm That's just going to see console. That is like 
Wisconsin that was, skirmish. It was the first <laughs> war. That was uh, <laughs> the Great War, as they called it. Um, it was uh, it was an interesting documentary. They had some of the original Nintendo people. They had, I, I think his name was Howard Phillips. I don't know if you guys know who Howard Phillips is in Nintendo lore, but if Adrian was here, he'd be freaking out. Howard Phillips was this guy who always wore a bow tie. Uh, I think uh, a lot of the people in the community have called him Bowtie-san. And he called himself Game Master of Nintendo. He was this, like, stock guy who was just, like, moving out boxes and stuff like that. And they were just like, hey, you want to test some games? And he was in charge of testing a whole bunch of Nintendo games. So he played more Nintendo games than, like, any other kid. And it was his decision about what gets released in America and what didn't. And uh, made some questionable decisions. This guy has a face. I, uh... <laughs> I don't even know how to approach describing this guy's face. Uh, what if Marshall Yonda was as skinny as Joel? I think that's the closest I could possibly come. <laughs> a pre or post craft beer? Pre. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, so uh, bachelor party or <laughs> pre bachelor party? Uh, yeah, he's in it. A whole bunch of other people. Howard Lincoln, who was a former president of Nintendo of America. A whole bunch of people. Some interesting stuff in there. It always frames it the way that people in this era usually do with Nintendo was a huge juggernaut and they had a monopoly and I'm like, yeah, sort of, but their games are better, so I don't really care. Uh, ultimately, Nintendo won, which is good for everyone. Spoilers, what the fuck? <laughs> and now a movie that I was talking to Parker about before Alex signed on. I don't... I might have to cut this one. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. This... Shit, that means I gotta say something funny so he has to keep it. Uh, no. <laughs> Uh, do you remember that anime list of movies, or the list of anime movies? Of and it was How like, oh, these ones are pretty extreme. Don't watch them around kids. I'm like, what could possibly go wrong with this one? <laughs> this one is, I don't know how to pronounce it, so just forgive me if I butcher the language. Uratsuki Doji Legend of the Overfiend. Parker, are you familiar with that title? I'm not. I'd love to hear about it. So here's what's interesting about this. This was actually, I looked it up on iCheckMovies.com, and this is on two top lists. Oh, and I'm like, really? That's interesting. You know, usually the lists are okay. One of them is BadMovie.org's Best B-Movies. Hilarious. B-Movie? Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get Josh on this podcast one day. And He's just going to appear. One, <laughs> He's going to buzz into my room while we're recording. And the other one was something like, I think it was like a British list. It was like Channel 4's list of the top 100 cartoons of all time or something like that. I'm like, oh, okay, British what could possibly go wrong? This is the movie that invented tentacle rape. So, Oh, nice. Yeah. The originator. And yeah, you know, it's important for film history students, such as myself, to understand like the development. Birth of a nation. <laughs> Imagine walking out of that theater and just like, oh wow, that was novel. I love my problematic faves. Honey, I think we just watch history up there. <laughs> no, honestly, I'm a lot like Kurt Eichenwald. I'm just trying to figure out what it is and if it's real, you know. <laughs> yeah, my wife didn't believe me. Like, this is totally real. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> babe, 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 check it out. You gotta to see this. To her. I just had this tab up in the background to show other people. I'm pretty sure he said he was going to show his daughter, too. So, Or his As large joke, adult son. So she knows. His black belt son. Uh, yeah, this movie's not very good. I'll tell you that much. Uh, well, the British were wrong Sounds about good. media? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, so was badmovie.org. This movie is, uh, is, is not worthy of that list. So, thank goodness that's over. Um, then I watched some good movies. Some really good movies. In fact, one that I want to ask, Alex, have you ever seen Night of the Creeps? 
I have not, no. Oh, man, you're going to love this one. All right. I, Parker already knows just how good Night of the Creeps is. <laughs> there is some prime Tom Atkins. Oh, yeah, hell that's yeah. A, that's all I need to hear. Now, Parker's mentioned this on the podcast before, I'm pretty sure, because uh, every single time Tom Atkins answers the phone or shows up to a crime scene, he just says, thrill me. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Man. Uh, that sounds oh. real good. That's also the one where he pulls out this gigantic fuck you magnum and points at a zombie, and he says, it's Miller time. Pow! Movie's <laughs> really good. Yeah, it's really, really, really fucking good. How do I describe the plot? Okay, let's go with the plot here. So there are these two nerdy guys, including one who, I guess he has muscular dystrophy, so he has like those like arm crutches or whatever. He walks around on them the entire movie. And they're nerds, but they're in college, and they want to get lead, and they can't get lead because they're nerds. So they, they're they like, oh, let's pledge a frat. There's a hot girl, and she's like always hanging around that frat. If we pledge a frat, then you know we can be money strong, get big. And they're like, okay, you can join our frat, but you have to go through initiation. And casual viewers know that frat initiation usually means hazing. Their hazing is they sent these two geeks to the secret government scientific research lab to remove a zombie cadaver and they check it out and the and the zombie starts like wreaking havoc and turning the entire college town populace into zombies and filling their heads with slugs and everything it's astonishing this movie is so fucking cool it has probably the best 1980s horror aesthetic i've ever seen i don't remember who was involved with production design but Alex, this is a thousand percent up your alley, and if All we right. had if we hadn't seen this, you would have been like, "This is the next episode," and it okay. still might be a future episode. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'll watch it again. I almost watched it again this week when he mentioned it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, man, I should have really stood my ground and been like, "Dude, we need to talk about Tom Atkins." <laughs> the reveal of Tom Atkins' character as he's just daydreaming about sipping on that coconut drink. Good for him. <laughs> he's so fucking Fuck. cool. I'm gonna watch it again this week. Fuck it. Uh, I and probably will do now. <laughs> I stayed. I decided I would stay with 1980s horror because if I have to watch a movie from the list, and I do have to, I have that kind of brain sickness. Then, hey, let's watch a movie in the 1980s because those are usually a lot better than movies in the 1970s. Low bar to clear. The next one I watched was 1983's The Dead Zone. It's based on a Stephen oh, King novel. King. Yeah, based on a Stephen King novel, directed by David Cronenberg, starring Christopher Walken. Small appearance from Martin Sheen. And is produced by Deborah Hill. The last one, Deborah Hill, she was the producer on The Fog and producer and co-writer of the original Halloween. I think she's the reason that this movie works so well because the production design is just so good at getting you in the atmosphere of what the story ought to be. As far as the Stephen King stuff goes, I could go either way. David Cronenberg directed it and there is virtually zero body horror. I don't quite know why, but okay, works for me. Uh, Christopher Walken... You know, everyone can make fun about the way that he says things, but you always believe what he's saying. And that goes a really long way. He's really, really, really good in this. And uh, Martin Sheen's in it. He's very, very scummy. Probably playing himself. He actually kind of sounds... You can, like, hear his voice. He sounds like a young Emilio Estevez, actually. So that's actually kind of <laughs> neat to listen to. Yeah. Uh, Breakfast Club was one year after this. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Well, two years, I guess. Yeah. Whatever. <clears throat> Anyway, the Dead Zone's really good. What's the what's the plot of the Dead Zone? The Dead Zone is Christopher Walken wants to date this girl, and he gets into a car accident. He's in a coma for five years. When he wakes up, he's got psychic powers, but the psychic powers are like he's able to see vi uh, see visions about someone if he touches them, and you can see how <laughs> they're going to die. Can't believe he got hit by that tennis ball. <laughs> 
that's how we did the Super McZoogle 9000. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's actually really interesting. There's some bizarre places that it goes. And when he says the dead zone, he says that there's like an absence in his sights. Anyway, this builds to a really exciting climax that I guess maybe I have a few issues with. I don't know, but like, I had such a good time with it that I don't even care. I'm just so happy that I got to see this. Uh, the only other real criticism is at one point Christopher Walken uh, gets his leg hurt or something like that and he has to use a cane and I think Walken just refused to learn how canes work because he's just <laughs> whatever he's doing with that cane I think he's just using it as a bit of an ornament and it's really funny alright one last 80's movie uh, before I mention something that Alex can dunk on before I watched <laughs> 1984's The Company of Wolves directed by Neil Jordan Parker have you heard of this one? heard of it not seen it the company of wolves is uh, i was watching and, and as soon as it comes on it's like international film productions i'm like this is international that's in english what's going on here i checked like the audio files i'm like i have the right stuff okay yeah the only audio file is in english and the first character you see says oh mom you getting out of the bit you call oh yeah you're my mom you is and i'm like oh god one of these words so I'm like, it's actually not that bad, though. I'll say that. It's a pretty good movie. Boy, I'm a uh, good wolf. Now, Neil Jordan has described the uh, the way the plot is constructed as the Chinese box way of telling a story. Uh-oh. I prefer, Uh-oh. Not, I prefer not to describe it that way. I prefer to call it what uh, the Scheherazade method of storytelling, where there's a story within a story within a story. There's this framing device where this girl who reads a magazine and has a nightmare. I think that was a framing device of Creepshow. Anyway, and uh, then she has a nightmare about, I guess, maybe her ancestors or something in, like, ye olde England, some sort of village. Might as well be Willow. And this girl is, uh, there's a werewolf in her village, and they kind of employ the the boy who cried wolf and uh, Little Red Riding Hood into this, sort of. And her grandmother is Angela Lansbury, and she's kind of a bitch. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's really obnoxious. She keeps calling the girl stupid, saying, You must beware a man whose eyebrows meet in the middle, for he could be a werewolf. I'm like, I didn't Rough know beat that. beat for Anthony was... Davis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, there's, there's several werewolf attacks. And uh, I will say this. They're very practical werewolf effects. I think I knew I was in good hands when I was watching the opening credits, and it says, Werewolf Animatronic, directed by whatever his name was. I was like, oh, Werewolf Animatronic? I have to be in for this. Dude, the best werewolf transformations I've ever seen. It reminded me of The Thing. It is worth watching just for the transformations. I've never seen a better one, and this is the movie that really reinforces for me the fact that practical effects are almost always, if not always, going to be better than CGI bullshit as we will see in Air Force One. So, uh, yeah, Company <laughs> of Wolves, pretty good. And now the last one. Parker Reynolds. Now, it. Parker Parker had mentioned to me that, you know, Chris, really, Saw is pretty tame compared to the other ones, <laughs> you know? I'm like, oh, well... You I asked have so me, many I lists. Just, I didn't just talk you out the book like, hey man, just so you know, a saw's not that violent. All right, man, go with Christ. Have a good evening. <laughs> you solicited then, this information from me. I really did, yeah. Um, anyway, I Look watched Saw. Now. And I have to admit that more of this was uh, than, oh, it's tame. I can take it. My stomach won't turn or anything like that. And it's also, what I, what I have a problem with isn't gore or blood. It's more so 
being caught in an impossible situation. And it's not impossible. You just cut off your foot. It's not that hard. I've done it. But the other thing about it is, I don't know, I, it just didn't seem like so. I, I was almost proud of avoiding it. I tried not to be prideful in that sort of thing, though. And ultimately, my curiosity got the better of me. I'm like, okay, this is sort of a part of film history as a progenitor of the worst trend in cinema. But, like, okay, I kind of just have to know. I just want to know what happens in here. I, I did not know that uh, Carrie Elwes was in this movie. I didn't know that Danny Glover was in this movie. <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, I did not know. I was interested. I'm like, wow, what if their performances are good? Carrie well, Elwes, no, well, if you're listening, and I know you are, I have a challenge. Do an American accent for more than eight words. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> it's somehow worse than his accent in Twister. I'm a goddamn doctor. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's not great. But uh, yeah, actually, the movie is actually remarkably tame. I've seen way more intense oh, yeah. movies like, on the list. I wasn't joking. There's nothing to it. All that shit yeah. that people think about from the sequels. Yeah, which, that's about what I expected. Look, like they're stuck in there. I'm like, yeah, okay, they have to use a hacksaw on their foot. That's not a whole lot of fun, but. Even that effect is like nothing. It's gorier and fucking Evil Dead. Anyway, I'm, I'm assuming uh, you didn't like it, but yeah, James Wan made this and then dipped away and never came oh, back to the franchise. I despise the movie, and yeah, I'm gonna I get figured. into why I despised it, but not for the gore, or the or even the torture devices or anything, because the movie it's everyone's like, oh, it's just said in that one room, but it's like, oh, there's flashbacks to all these different things that happen. There's a million fucking flashbacks in here. Oh, my favorite. And, yeah, and the first fucking flashbacks that you see are all the different traps that the Jigsaw Killer has created. And I saw one where the guy <laughs> it's was just caught... me in the first season of the Game of Games. <laughs> <laughs> There's one where a guy's caught in a pyramid. <laughs> it just cuts to Benny from the Mummy. <laughs> Better movie. Anyway, no, the first one is a guy who's caught in... I think what they're trying to do is a maze of razor wire, but it's kind of low production value, so you can't quite tell. I'm like, oh... This could be gory or bloody. Let's see what happens. And there's so much, like, fast-forward shaky cam that you can't tell what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> the guy's just going, ah, while the camera's just going like this the entire time. You're just like, oh, are you scared? I'm like, oh, yeah, this movie did come out in 2004. Hey, buddy, <laughs> get used to it. Hope you like that color filter the entire movie's in. because oh, uh, that's a thing. It's like, it's going to be there for six more movies. Thing. It's like their favorite shit to do. And it's like, this isn't scary. This is really just kind of annoying. <laughs> I wish I could have seen the look on your face when you turned it on and just saw the production company was called Twisted Pictures. <laughs> I wish I could have seen your face. You know, the Joker face. thinks these are... Yeah. <laughs> the Joker Josh, thinks it's a production movie. company. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so... I wouldn't blame James Wan. I wouldn't blame Lee Wannell. I wouldn't blame... What was it? Lionsgate was the one who released this, and I guess it was developed by Twisted Pictures. I'm not <laughs> blaming them or this movie or anyone who worked on it for being the progenitor of torture porn. It's the clown I blame the cinema. people. It's it's people. The people are the ones who are just like, yeah, we want to see more of the blood and the guts and the torture and everything. The people are the ones who are buying the tickets. If you want better movies, then buy tickets to better movies. It's not a very pleasant reality to confront, but it's true. Yeah, guys, just vote. It's that easy. D shut up. <laughs> vote Jigsaw no matter who. I always say Look, that. <laughs> uh, there are better reasons to dislike this movie. It has, I have to say, probably the dumbest characters in any movie I've ever seen. Hell yeah, dude. And I've seen Biodome. Like, they <laughs> would have got out of this trap, like, in the first five minutes. <laughs> Did you enjoy that you watched this entire movie and at the end you went, 
Wait, why is he called Jigsaw? What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> <laughs> why does he well, have a little puppet? What does that have to do with anything? That's the thing is the every single character simple. is really stupid, including Jigsaw. <laughs> the answer is simple. It's like, we have like a thousand dollars to make a movie. Here's all the ideas I have in my little notebook. Yeah, he's got a pig mask and there's also a creepy little puppet thing. Doesn't have to make so- sense. I'm never going to make a movie again. They won't yeah. give me $200 million to make a three-hour Aquaman movie. <laughs> so that's the thing about this is a lot of people say that they like saw one more than the other movies i still bought them on dvd and blu-ray and everything but like the only one i actually like is the first one anyway uh that's weird who are you looking at i was i was looking at the mic as if parker's were like right there i don't know why because there's like a red there's a red light on there i'm like that's his soul anyway uh, hey uh, hey you want to know who uh investigates the murders in saw 2 no. Police officer oh, Donnie no. Wahlberg. See you there, dickhead. <laughs> see no, you there. <laughs> now I have to see it. Boston. It's, now I understand yeah. why people watch these. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, a lot of people say that they like the first one because there's a morality angle and there's some psychology. There people isn't, and those people are stupid. Uh, I mean, yeah, they're all like, fans. Like, like, of course they're, they're stupid. Right. Well, there's obviously. But, like, apparently the people were trying to say, like, oh, he's... The, the basic conceit is like Jigsaw's got cancer he's dying and he sees all these people who don't appreciate life so he's gotta make them appreciate life I'm like wasn't that like a, a one scene thing from Fight Club or something making movies making songs and fighting around the world that's what we get to like movie 6 they're like you know Jigsaw doesn't technically kill people he gives them opportunities to escape they do say that in the first movie too. it really keeps stupid. happening yeah, me, everyone don't get just me wrong. These movies are dog shit. And I love them precisely because they're dog shit, and go so far above and beyond to try and keep this continuity going. It is an absolute nightmare. These movies are all bad. Do not See, misconstrue my words. I no, no. I I believe you, and in fact, I'm actually going to defend you on this one. I'm not going to make fun of you when it comes to other Saw fans, at least not in this context. Because I think I understand (laughs) why you would want to see the Saw movies, and it's the same reason that I want to see the other Saw movies. Yeah, because you're both retarded. No, there's a reason. The reason here is I kind of want to see what sort of dumb shit they're going to do next. Again, Alex, you still haven't seen that transition from Saw 4. That is like the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. I have to see it. (laughs) You haven't seen the flashback to like him getting his cancer diagnosis where he's just dressed in a beanie and a hoodie. It's the funniest fucking thing. Six-year-old Tobin Bell dressed like Steve Buscemi. I looked up, <laughs> Hello, fellow youths. I'm here to see my doctor. Parker, I looked up the trivia for Saw 4, and you weren't lying. They really had to build practical sets just so they could, like, smash yes. a glass and just immediately go to the next scene. And Alex, you think you don't want to see this? I'm telling you, you might want to skip the other movies just to get to Saw 4. <laughs> no, I'm good. You say that. I'm anyway. So uh, excited it, for you buddy, to if I want to see shitty scene transitions, I can just watch Star Wars again. Oh, are you gonna? <laughs> it only takes uh, two to feel on. Yeah. Not ruling it out. <laughs> yeah, well, Saw 4 is probably shorter, so you got that going for you. Anyway, uh, what else is there about Saw? Saw 1 is way too long. That's like a, that's over 100 minutes, and there's very little that actually happens. That's insane. And the worst, is this is really? the most insulting part of the whole thing. I think, Alex, this is what you would hate the most, is at the end... Uh, I don't know, Parker. Would you really count this as a twist? It's more like a reveal. It's not quite as stupid as At like, this sleepaway camp thing. Not no. Like it's, yeah. Also, it's two thousand. Shit came out two thousand four. Like, yeah, you kind of you kind of know, but like, it's so obvious what's happening. You're just like, oh yeah, that's that's him. The movie does 
two separate sets of super fast-forwarded, here are clips from the movie, putting them into context to reveal exactly what's happening, over-explaining what's going on. Oh my God, and I was dude, getting really, really bad about it. I'm like, wow, that's really insulting, but it's like, well, they're soft. You know Jigsaw's right. This. I don't appreciate life. <laughs> yeah. Chris can end me. I don't want to watch this Every shit. single movie. Every single one from that. <laughs> With the Never same mind. song Actually, playing. now I'm back on Alex's side. Now I'm just going to skip to... <laughs> single time <laughs> i'm just gonna skip to four when they start doing that i'll be like nope still get a check mark no you won't because two hey. and three are on the list <laughs> eat uh-huh. shit loser <laughs> <laughs> all right alex what'd you watch all right so i watched literally nothing this week however i am going to use this time to offer parker a deal jinkies <laughs> i love deals parker you want to go ahead and uh, read off all of the movies that the wheel gave you? Let me go back here. I, have a note. I know you got it somewhere, so. The Book of Henry, which I watched. Free okay. Guy, which as far as I know isn't out yet, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Thank God. Loquisha, which I watched. <laughs> Buddy Games, which I was going to watch this week, but I had the house to myself for once, so I just chose to not do that. <laughs> the that Invention sounds- of Lying... And uh, the the old Kevin James free space. <laughs> I forgot about that one. All right. Yeah, me too. So I am going to allow you to get rid of two of those in exchange for one movie if you choose to take this deal. Oh, fuck. And you can pick. It's not going to be... Okay. You don't have to spin let the wheel and see what you get rid of. But... Let me ask. How long is the one movie? Uh, let me check. Uh, two hours even. Yeah, okay, uh, I can do that. Uh, Alex, Alex, I can play the wheel sound effect right now. I think it'd be a good effect. Here we go. If you want, like, by all means. I'm never going to get tired of hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> What's the movie? Now, Parker, I- I'm aware that the only person in the podcast universe that might be able to answer this question is Chris's dad. But are you familiar with Marcel Marceau? Fuck me. Yeah. Yeah, you are? You want to tell yeah. me a little bit about him? Close personal friends. <laughs> so he's a famous mime, right? <laughs> yes, correct. But before he was a famous mime, he was no. a famous member of the French resistance to the occupation of the Nazis. Well, pooping. You're going to watch a movie called Resistance, where one Marcel Marceau is played by Jesse Eisenberg. What the fuck? <laughs> That's not real. Hey, but Parker, it gets better. Yeah. Are you are you familiar with famous war criminal Klaus Barbie? <laughs> uh, not physically. Okay, well, all you need to know is he's a famous Nazi war criminal. And uh-huh. in this case, he is played by Dieter the Safecracker. <laughs> <laughs> That's how. Okay, that makes sense. All the pieces are falling into place. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I sure hope uh, yeah. Jesse Eisenberg managed to help those kids with mimery. <laughs> oh, thank you for this. <laughs> I'm excited to report back. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> I like how you just found this one night on IMDb and went, okay, how do I make this happen before August? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Respect the hustle. <laughs> Man. Sometimes You're welcome. procrastination really pays off, let me tell yeah. you. Yeah. 
that's gonna be some quality content. <laughs> and with that, I yield my time to you. <clears throat> okay, well, I'll start with a couple <coughs> quick ones. Hey, Chris, you know how you really hated Saul, right? Yes. Yeah, I can confirm. Yeah, yeah. Don't watch High Tension. You'll hate it. I promise you. Promise well, you it's on the list, so I don't heart. have much of a choice. It is. That's why I watched it, because I was like, I don't remember if I saw this, because, you know, time is a thing. Like, oh yeah, you'll hate every single bit of this. Is that the... All the meanness of all of those movies you don't like. Isn't that the one from the guy who did Irreversible? No, but... Oh. I mean, it's French, so close oh, enough. Well, never mind. <laughs> hey, you know how much you love those extremely vi- violent French horror movies? Let's push that yeah. one down the list. I, I got Absolutely burned with Absolutely not for you. So. Yeah, you're good. Uh, wh- what is good was Lupin the Third the First. Hell yeah! It's incredibly good and gorgeous to look at. It's so much fun. I was so happy that a bunch of the cast was from the version I remember watching on Adult Swim. That really did a lot for me, because I love those interpretations. Oh, did you watch it in English? Absolutely. Oh, I watched it in I uh, was, Japanese. That's that's so fine. I'm sure it was really that good. Point. So, you know, I was not going to be reading anything at that point. The I don't. The version I found didn't have an English version, so that's that's okay. I'm, Thanks, I'm sure Apple it was TV. Great, so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Incredibly good. I love it with all my heart. You paid money for it. I love seeing like joking about like, oh wow, they're talking about Nazis a lot. I bet they won't be the main villain of this movie. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> the, one of the, the, one of the things about Lupin the Third the First is, wait, is Hitler actually going to be in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> There's a moment where you're like, wait, and is, this, is Hitler alive in this canon? And that's like a legitimate <laughs> thing you have to deal with for like 20 minutes. Yo, Indiana Jones pulled it off, so can Lupin the Third. He's basically the Indiana Jones of Japan. It's so fucking good. I had a great time with it. I mean, I knew I would, because like, you liked Castle of however you pronounce that so much, and recommended this with such glowing reviews. Like, I knew I was gonna dig it, and yeah, fantastic mm-hmm. stuff. They're one A and one B for me. You know what? I'll talk about a thing that uh, I won't say what I discovered. It was brought to my attention. Now I've listened to many movie podcasts over the years, and one of them started a brand new little Patreon series where they watch Lifetime movies, which immediately caught my attention. So the first episode dropped on a movie called Stalked by My Doctor. Immediately, I'm locked in. Would you like to know who plays the doctor that's doing the stalking in this Lifetime original movie? Absolutely. One Eric Roberts. (laughs) (laughs) Now, when I saw that this was on Amazon Prime, all plans I had for that night ended immediately, (laughs) and I went straight to this movie. There was like a 50-50 chance it would have been Don the Dragon Wilson. That is true, and also there's like four of these, so I'm going to be a very busy beaver this week. <laughs> so, this movie just opens <laughs> with uh, him getting stood up by a Tinder date, and he's just, you know, it's like six-year-old Eric Roberts, like, oh, you know, it's such a good time, you know, you don't want to come? Okay. And then smash cut to him in his car, just going a hundred miles an hour going, you stupid bitch! Stupid bitch! <laughs> And then we just cut to entirely new characters. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so already, I'm locked in for this 90 minutes. There's no going back. He's just doing the Elliot Roger the entire way home while they film it like the car chase scene from Saw. <laughs> One of the funniest things ever put on film. Yeah, I have to admit, the car chase scene from Saw is almost <laughs> worth the price of admission. <laughs> So, uh, we cut to our main characters, which are, of course, 
just dead-eyed teenagers, as one expects. Uh, a, a very attractive young female who's been accepted into a college, and her boyfriend, who keeps texting while driving. Wouldn't you know it, he won't look away from his phone, they get hit by a car. Hate to see it. She gets real fucked up, and has to have an emergency surgery. But luckily, Eric Roberts is there to give her a new heart and save her life. And fall desperately in love with this... 17 or 18 year old? Don't worry about it. It's all above board. It's all cool. So, the surgery is a success. He walks in to check on her. Closes the door and just leans in and starts kissing her. Comes Yo, to like Sarah Silverman in the book of Henry? <laughs> yes. He's just making out with this woman who's just high on morphine. Just had her heart replaced and just goes, Oh shit! Uh, oh hey guys, the family can come see her now. So the family just sort of found out she's alive and before they get to see their daughter he's just putting the moves on her or i mean we're already doing great here and then like the entire rest of this movie is just him following her like oh wow you're at this mall too that's crazy oh wow i'm here maybe i should buy you some drinks you want you want something from the food court that happens like four times uh there's a scene where we see him on another date which is an incredible scene uh, you know, everything's going well. You know, they had a fun afternoon. They went to get dinner at night, so, like, things are popping off. And uh, he just immediately blows it, like, Hey, you know, I've got this vacation out to Mexico. We should go. You can quit your job. You can live with me forever. You won't ever have to work again. I'll pay for everything. You should be my wife. And she's like, Hey, I'm fucking out of here. You're weird as shit. And she's getting up, and he's like, Hey, uh, can you just can you just tell me what I did wrong? And she explains it, and he goes, Oh, Thank you, you're right. Thank you. Thank you for that analysis, you fat-ass bitch! And just starts making a scene at <laughs> the restaurant. 60-year-old Eric Roberts just Dude's talks rock. like an incel for half this movie. <laughs> and it just turns into like, well, uh, none of this is working out. I guess I'll just keep stalking this teenager. <laughs> There's a scene where like the teenager and her mom are out shopping. So he just breaks into their house... Goes into her room and just starts smelling her bed sheets. Jeez. It's so fucked up. And he just lays in her bed, takes his shoes off, and starts fantasizing about them banging. And then the actual family comes home, and he has to sneak out. Oh. <laughs> well, Goldilocks uh, uh, story for you. <laughs> the mom catches wise that this dude's kind of a creep. So he's like, oh, you want to transfer doctors, dude? You want to take her somewhere else? Goes into his office, angrily pulls up her file, finds out she's deathly allergic to penicillin, and then switches up her drugs. So the teenage daughter comes home to find her mom just, like, comatose on the floor near death. And then at that point, there's, like, 45 minutes of movie left. (laughs) He fakes her death. (laughs) <laughs> ties her up and threatens to take her to Mexico. It is one of the most insane movies I've ever seen in my life. When did this and come I've out? And I've learned that... Ah, uh, good question. Let me just go to the old IMDb. Stalked by my doctor. 2015 hot dog. Jeez. I have learned that not only are there multiple sequels... But in those sequels, he has, like, multiple personalities, so he'll just be having conversations with with himself, and oh. one of the personalities is always just Eric Roberts in a Hawaiian shirt. 
So I am incredibly <laughs> excited for my well, weekend. You know, Brandon Marshall was an all-pro off that, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love to see where Eric Roberts slips on that McDonald's bag and gets stabbed. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, incredibly strong recommend to everyone that's garbage like me. Uh, every scene with Eric Roberts is hilarious. Every scene with the Dead-Eyed Teens is almost unwatchable. I didn't even get into the subplot where uh, her boyfriend, who like has his leg just absolutely shattered to shit and spends the whole movie on crutches, goes to confront Eric Roberts at his house, and Eric Roberts just takes his crutch and just throws it ten feet, and you're like, fucking Uncle Rico, like, yeah, get the fuck off my property, and just leaves him to crawl back to his car. It's very good. Probably the best thing I watched this week that was not Air Force One. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, let's see. I watched a couple other things, but I don't really want to talk about Ryan and the Last Dragon. It's Wait, fine, I, whatever. I, there is something that you watched that I kind of want to hear your opinion on. Uh, uh-huh. I saw in your letterbox that you watched Bad Moon. Ooh, yeah. Let me tell you something. God damn it, you tricked me! <laughs> Play the slow down version, on, let's hear it. Uh, what, So what happens in Bad Moon? Let me tell you everything you need to know about Bad Moon. 90s movie, big practical werewolf suit. <laughs> who was it? Who was it directed by? I don't fucking know. <laughs> I can't stop it. I know you can't. How long is this loop for? Uh, ten minutes. Oh, you piece of shit! <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I can stop. I'll give you the strongest recommend of Bad Moon possible. 90s movie, big practical werewolf suit, 80 minutes. Oh, okay, throwing that out there. I threw it all on the table right last there. week. So. Isn't this the one that's based on a book where it's like to, it's like written from the point of view of the dog? Yes, the dog has a lot of POV stuff, which I'm incredibly <laughs> into. I think I talked about this on the podcast. Fuck. There's there's really something satisfying about seeing like, oh man, she's about to find out his identity, and being like, oh, there's like 15 minutes of movie left. Let's fucking go. Let's knock this out. Credits are rolling at like minute 75. That's a strong recommend from this guy. All right. That's about it. Like, we watched Ryan the Last Dragon. It's fine. I hated every scene with the dragon. Because I didn't realize that the dragon could talk. It was voiced by Aquafina. It was oh, the most Jesus annoying Christ. fucking thing I've ever heard I, in my life. I heard he was the dialogue me out of was quitting like the really podcast. Bad. <laughs> I was so into it for like 20 minutes, and then she found the dragon. I was like, oh shit, I hate this. Is, is, does Raya like have a dad or something voiced by Ken Jong? <laughs> Don't wish I mean, that into every existence. Other fucking Asian actor in the world's in this movie. Uh, I was super into it because it's like. There's all these different kingdoms split up, and they're fighting, and they want the control of the dragon soul. That'll bring everything back. And then that dragon does not shut the fuck up, and it's unbearable. Now, I have to tell you, this but, is an animated yeah. movie even I don't want to see. So, glad you took that bullet. I mean, you know. Also shouldn't have said that, made, so. Yeah, I mean, you know. Spin the wheel again, dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> Give it time. The wheel needs to recharge its batteries. The wheel button's broken. (laughs) Let's talk about Air Force One. So, Harrison Ford is the president, and I gotta tell you, he looks like he could win re-election. He's got my vote. Yeah. I don't know what party he's a member of, I don't know what his platform is, I'm voting for him, I don't care. He's almost a little too good-looking to be president, you know? It's a real problem, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, he goes to uh, Russia, just regular Russia, not Soviet Russia, just regular Russia, 
And some guy's talking in Russian the entire time. I think he's important. Hang on. Hang on a second. Look, the cold open of this movie is unbelievably skippable. Oh, I forgot about that. But the look <laughs> on my face when they landed in Kazakhstan. Like, <laughs> Fuck, this episode's gonna be three and a half hours. I go to America. Because <laughs> your brain eventually just turns into Harrison Ford doing Borat. Harrison Ford, as he is now, being confronted by Borat and punching him in the face. Like, it's this is gonna be the worst episode we've ever done. No, oh, there are other directions that this podcast is going to go based on who is in this movie. I think you already know at least one of them. <laughs> this uh, my neighbor Vladimir nice. Putin. He is pain an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I get one nuke. He has two. <laughs> <laughs> I kidnap president of Kazakhstan. He have no president to kidnap. Great success. <laughs> anyway, uh, Harrison Ford follows this guy's speech, and his voice throughout this movie, he's doing that dull mumble that Harrison Ford does in most of his movies. And he's like one of the few people who can get away with it because he's Harrison Ford. Kevin Costner's tried this. It doesn't work. John Hurt has described it. Uh, what is it? William Hurt? John Hurt? I think it's William Hurt. Has tried it. Doesn't work. But Marlon Brando Ford. won multiple Oscars doing it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, uh, <laughs> maybe that's why Harrison Ford could do it because he's as good looking as Marlon Brando. So He's round. <laughs> Harrison Ford actually played goalie in college. So... Yeah, Harrison Ford. <laughs> Harrison Ford just yeah. They're, st they're still trying to score on Marlon Brando's college team. <laughs> and he gets on Air Force One, and the next like fifteen minutes, something like that, are going to be just like, here's how cool Air Force One is. Hey kids, you ever get on Air Force One? It looks a little something like this. Look, Dude, it's a double decker. Like all I could think about watching this, and I was thinking about this before I started watching it, is like the first time Trump got on Air Force One, just seeing if it matched up with the movie. Like one hundred, you, you know he did, to, right? You oh, know yeah, he absolutely. did. It's like right, he so wants to know where the escape pods are exactly. more than he actually. No, that's he was actually in the furious. trivia. He actually did that. He asked, "Where's the escape pod?" <laughs> and they were just like. We, we don't have one of those. Fuck so Harrison dude. Ford was asked about it on one of his late night TV shows. So he looked dead into the camera and said, Donald, it's just a movie. It's not like real life. <laughs> but also, it's 2021. There should be an escape pod by now. What but are we doing? It was Harrison Ford who was saying it. So he said, like, Donald, it's just a movie. Yeah, it's not so. life. Do it, Harrison Ford is doing his best Bill Belichick throughout this movie. <laughs> like, you could tell me, like, oh, Air Force One came out in 1997. Obviously, there's no escape pod. Hey, Parker, for $20, is there an escape pod now? It's like, yeah, probably. I'd, <laughs> I I'd mean, take that I money. So. How many fucking sure. movies do we have where Air Force One has an escape pod? That's the entire plot of Escape from New York. Yeah. I, that's only two that I know of. We're going to find the third. That's our next week's yeah. episode. And then so, they're going to fight the Paul Brothers. going to fight the Paul Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Harrison, <laughs> Harrison Ford playing against type is, I'm pretty sure, playing a Republican in this movie because he says, we're not going to negotiate with terrorists. We're on to Cincinnati. And uh, as he's getting onto Air Force One, there are other people getting onto Air Force One, such as his lovely wife and daughter, chief of staff, and, and Igor the terrorist, played by <laughs> Gary Oldman, standing on his feet. Hell yeah, dude. What a performance. He's, he's so good. So much Gary Oldman yelling. 
which I'm always here for. Fresh off the subtle, understated performance in Leon the Professional. I, I feel a- like... I feel like every time I see a movie where some actor does a terrible accent, it's because, like, Gary Oldman met him and, like, sucked out his soul to do accents. Because, like, is there an <laughs> accent that Gary Oldman can't do? Like, he's just, like, the master of voices. He He's very, very good. Uh, he's... He, t- he does actually even different British voices, which are actually pretty tough to do, unless you're from Britain, I guess. Uh, anyway, he is British, right? Like I always he is, forget. Yeah, he's, he's British. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think his film debut was Sid and Nancy, '86, and that's a British movie. I don't know what I'm about. Anyway, uh, <laughs> other people are on the. Uh, was this? Is the secretary? No, not the secretary of defense. That's a plot point that comes in later. His foreign advisor guy. Um, He's like, hey, you shouldn't have just told the world that you weren't going to negotiate with terrorists anymore. Everyone else in the world loves negotiating with terrorists. Now you've screwed up everyone's plans. And <laughs> yeah, you think like, Roland oh, Emmerich wrote this scene and like it panned to France? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Roland Emmerich. Why does he keep coming back? It's just, it's inescapable. You see a big Hollywood yeah. blockbuster, you're like, all right, how is this going to be mean to French people? No, no this was... Every five years, you're like, what's this piece of shit? Written and directed by Roland Emmerich. That guy? <laughs> He's still getting worse. Still? Work? I mean, don't get me wrong, the French deserve it, but... Come Absolutely. On. Take your foot off the gas a little here. Anyway, no, this was actually directed by Wolfgang Peterson, who also did... Why am I asking you? Das Boot, one of my I'm, favorite Germans. I know, but I gotta give <laughs> yeah. it to live up. Yeah, I'm gonna let you Oh, yeah, that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> das Boot's can't one break is, character now. Yeah. Das Boot's one and also, I was gonna say The Perfect Storm, so... Oh, actually, it's probably a better one. Anyway, uh... Now his daughter gets on the... And I, I did like there's this thing where he really just wants to watch the game because he taped the game and he really wants to see the game. And the only other person I know who does that in real life is Josh. <laughs> Josh gets really upset when people spoil the game moment. for him. <laughs> I just imagine a young intern be like, oh, Mrs. Clinton, you should have seen the end of the game. Malcolm Butler intercepted it. And then next thing you know, he's just fucking two shots in the back of the head. You never see that. <laughs> President Ford had this dude fucking murdered or sent to I Gulag. Did, yeah, that one guy who comes in, yo, man, Michigan won 14-13. Great success. And then Harrison Ford like, that guy was sent to the fucking Hague. You will never <laughs> see. He's in Guantanamo right now. Get his fingernails ripped out. Anyway, the Chelsea Clinton of the movie is in there. Sorry, Kelsey Clinton is in there. And Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> she's in there and she's like, Dad, why didn't you take me to the refugee camps where people are suffering? I wanted to go. <laughs> I you know I had to do it one time. <laughs> I didn't want to go to the Russian ballet and once in a lifetime chance here. I want to see the lepers. And uh, her dad's just like, well, you quit fucking bothering me. I just want to go to sleep. And uh, and she's just like, but I'm 12 years old now. I'm not that young. If this was the caveman days, then the wolves would have taught me sex by now. And he's just like, what the fuck? Well, it's a good <laughs> thing you're not at Nickelodeon, dear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. Anyway, uh, they fly away in their CGI plane, which... I have to admit, their CGI plane really reminds me of the Langoliers. It's <laughs> <laughs> real bad. Oh, it's unfortunate that I'm reminded of the Langoliers. And for good reason, actually. Uh, I'll get to that in a second, but first we might as well tell what happens on here. Turns out Igor the terrorist is a terrorist. and uh, <laughs> No way to see that one coming. <laughs> Hello, I it am really, journalist from Russia. If he, when he put his thumb on like the laptop, I was really hoping to pop up Igor the terrorist. <laughs> and the guy's just like, huh, what a name. All right, My name go. is Ahmed. 
The terrorist. <laughs> anyway, uh, Igor the terrorist had. They have a man on the inside, a rogue Secret Service agent who really likes Russian terrorists. I guess he's just really and into Kazakhstan. On, yeah, he really, very, <laughs> they're exporting very, a very lot very of potassium to him. He just—he's into the culture, you know. He doesn't do it himself, but you know. Anyway, he kills the other Secret Service. Right, so agents. when do we throw him down the well? And the terrorists take over the the plane. Oh, wow, Josh is here. And uh, the president is forced into a room with the escape pod, but the escape pod just drops and he's not on it. Uh, I'll come back later. And the plane is about to land. It's like on the runway and everything. And <laughs> Gary Oldman puts some explosive goo on the door, shoots it to <laughs> explode it, goes in there and starts shrieking at the man's ear. Get the plane in here! Get it in here! No! Get it! Shoots like one guy. Get the plane in here! You had to black him! Get it! And the guy's like, okay, fine, fuck. And he gets it up in the air. <laughs> and uh, everyone's just like, what is, what's fucking going on with Air Force One? What's the deal here? Uh, cut to Glenn Close as vice president. <laughs> and Look, I hadn't seen this movie before. I wish you saw the soy face I made when I saw, oh my god, there's going to be squibs in this movie. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I just hit play. I've seen my guess probably like, what, PG-13? So oh, they start no. lighting dudes up. They go in that cockpit start shooting people in the fucking face. It's, oh, it's a hard PG-13. my little feats. I was so happy. Now, Parker, yeah. <laughs> you're an expert on the Has Fallen movies. You think Glenn Close <laughs> is doing a better job in this movie than Morgan Freeman? <laughs> <laughs> you would almost have to. <laughs> Uh, but she's yeah, not speaking being... of how are there not three Air Force One movies by the way how is this not a franchise I mean what are they gonna do hijack the plane a second time yes or is it gonna be like Speed I 2 mean... where it's like the presidential yacht gets taken over no Look, this is if, you're, if the president murders a bunch of Russian terrorists on a plane he is chancellor for life he has many more opportunities to get his hands dirty no what, what they're gonna do is they're gonna do fucking Air Force I guess it'd be two and they're going to take over the pod. <laughs> oh, what oh, you need is a cool storm in the Pentagon. They could call it Air Force movie. One Let's Pod go. Save America. Okay. So in the next part here. I'm leaving. <laughs> Fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, so Glenn Close is not the only person gathered there. They have the other, you know, cabinet, chiefs of staff, and people there. The Secretary of Defense. Parker, did you recognize the Secretary of Defense? <laughs> <laughs> it's the mystery I, writer from the Langoliers the guy who's just like my dear boy yeah. I have a theory about where we are that is not I what saw I would have gone with but you know and uh, I recognized him was like oh, I'm sure my good friend Chris will tell me something that'll upset me and luckily here you are he, he sounds just like he does in the Langoliers I'm like this guy was in the military? Why is this guy in charge of defense? He's not even well, wearing a military actually, Chris, outfit. Actually, Chris, the Secretary of Defense is a civilian post, so, uh... Got him. Look, there's a oh, lot of yeah. fucking... You're gonna tell me, like, William H. Macy is this high-ranking general later than... <laughs> okay, yeah, how about that one? Go Explain that one away. Go fuck yourself. William yeah, H. Macy's ever fired a gun. Oh, well, oh, in that case, yeah. <laughs> So, I will say this about the movie, is the movie, it takes its time, it, it really is the full two hours, sure but it gives, it like, does. full weight to all of its scenes. For the most part, it works in the first three quarters of the movie. Oh, yeah. And sure. I kind of like that. And I, I gotta say, like, it's kind of funny, you know, here on this podcast, we love to uh, rag on every single girl boss movie ever, but, like, this movie is basically just 
a princess movie with the genders reversed, where, like, the princess is actually a badass, and it 100% works on all of us dudes. So, uh... Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, like, that's my thing, good. like... Like, right in the last track, is like, this movie's clearly not written for me. Talk about when I watch this, and there's like, oh yeah, he might still be on board. Oh, this is like going back when he was in Vietnam. That was an immediate lean forward, like, he was what? <laughs> and then the next scene is just him fucking sneaking in and breaking the Wishmaster's neck. Starts screaming. We'll get, we'll get to the Wishmaster. Oh my god. I have to admit, I was taking notes when the pod came. That's where I wrote down Pod Save America. And I didn't see him not get into the pod. So I thought he was in there. This and is, it oh, lands the movie's just over? Yeah. No, no, no. The movie's not over there because I thought what they were going to do was I thought it was going to be like one of those hot psychological thrillers where it's like he's negotiating with them. He has to negotiate with the terrorists because his family's on board. Instead, they're just like, what if we did something cool instead? Chris, so have you never just, seen this? I'd seen bits and pieces. I'd okay. seen most of it, but not enough to put together a coherent picture of it. Okay. And it also I know blah, 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 get off my plane, Harrison Ford's the president, oh, yeah. Gary yeah, Oldman's doing yeah. a Russian I accent. I think everyone knows that. I know the beats, yeah. but when they just be like, oh yeah, you know, he won one of those medals in Vietnam, and then he just starts slinking through this plane, taking people out. <laughs> oh my god, I'm <laughs> digging this shit, dude. I, I did remember when I watched, like, the, it was like a little bit of it on TV, Dad's flipping around channels. I do remember Harrison Ford was on the plane with a gun, so, like, I don't know what I was thinking after he would land in the pod, they would somehow get him back up there. Yeah, yeah the pod's actually on, like, a really long string, and then the string pulls it back. <laughs> he's, he's just beep, beep, beep. <laughs> Goodbye. Glenn <laughs> Close gives him yes. a kiss for luck. I just imagine at some point, I'm like, oh, an escape pod, like in Star Wars. And he just stared at them for five seconds and then had them fired immediately. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Get off my set. Actually, I wasn't in an escape pod. So, uh. <laughs> those were those robots, the small one and the homosexual one. <laughs> Mr. Ford. <laughs> What's the matter? Did you like him? Anyway, um, so we've seen terrorists of all different stripes in other movies, but this is a throwback to the communist terrorists from Angel Cop. Man, let's go back. Yeah, imagine if the real Russians were this effective. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they all they want is for the United States government to release... His name, I believe, was Radic. And yeah. all I could think of was that Dragon Ball Z guy, Raditz. It's hard not to think. Yeah. It's immediate. <laughs> I mean, if your brain is there, what do you think of the two of us? That's <laughs> a good point. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, so Glenn Close is like, no, we, we can't let uh, Radicos out. And the Secretary of Defense is like, no, we can't let them go. And then she's like, well, maybe we have to, because if the president's not in his pod, he's probably dead or something. What if... I don't know what Glenn Close is thinking. Maybe uh, Harrison Ford opened up the door before the pod landed. He's like, am I yet... Whoop! <laughs> oh my god, Mr. President, you landed in squash country. <laughs> we can't have 50 dead people. This other guy, who knows? So uh, she gets on the phone with the, I don't know, president of Russia. It's like, hey, could you release your most dangerous terrorist? I guess I kind of want to talk about this. It's like their only plan here is usually other terrorists are just like, oh, we want 50 million rubles to catch moose and squirrel. And instead, they're just like, no, we want the most dangerous terrorist in all Russian history released into the wild. I'm like, what are the odds that he gets caught again? They must be, like, kind of high. They even say, like, yeah, can we just, like, recapture him? Or, like, We'll him? get to that at the end. <laughs> yeah, that, that comes into play. Also, I would just be like, yeah, let, let's release him. And then once we know everyone's safe, shoot him. 
That's what I would do. Uh, That's what I wrote down seconds before he was gunned down. Or you could also be like, call up the Russian president and tell him, okay, we are releasing Radek now. He is gone. Okay, release friends on plane. You could just do that. It's like, because there's no cell phones in this. I guess there's, what, the one on the plane or something like that. There's like no phone talk you can tell, you know? You just have to take him out of his word. This movie has a crucial fax machine subplot. Uh, yeah, well, there's a crucial fax machine. It says here, uh, why don't they just go back in time and kill him while he's on the crapper? <laughs> Fair point. Which, by the way, is a very serious question and, in fact, is the moral like underpinning of the dead zone. They actually bring it up. God. So, what? again, you should rewatch it. So It's hard to... You know, there was nothing worse than those period of movies. Where it was like, oh, this movie is like a political comment about Trump, but it's impossible to watch The Dead Zone and not think about Trump just picking up that child. <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> anyway, uh, just seeing a sniper just grabbing a child and holding it up is such a funny ending. Glenn Close, <laughs> and, sorry, the vice president and the secretary of defense are arguing about who's in charge, and Glenn Close, the vice president, actually says, Get me a copy of the Constitution. I have to admit, like, I guess in some other movies, if they were arguing with this, over this sort of thing, one of us on this show might say, why don't they just get a copy of the Constitution? Just like, <laughs> but for them to, like, actually do that, just be like, okay, we the people, and we're from, we're from, and just, like, go through the whole thing. <laughs> it's, it, it's so funny, because, like, you can, like, immediately tell that they're just, like, using this to make fun of Alexander Haig, who was, uh, um... Reagan's Secretary of State, and when Reagan got shot, went on TV and like claimed he was next in line for the presidency. Like, <laughs> it's really oh, they should have mentioned him. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to something that sort of reminds me of uh, present day, which I think we're all I mean, thinking the same thing. I think thing. my favorite Trump subplot is like, dude, the president's been compromised. So what about the nuclear launch codes? And the guy just walks in with a suitcase, like, hey guys, I got new codes. It's okay. <laughs> Movie can keep going now. <laughs> Would anyone like to guess what they are? I'll give you a hint. It's what I'd like to give to a girl. Glenn Close is just like, it's a cock sandwich. <laughs> I'm glad you remember that. <laughs> I'm stuck on that one, yeah. Man, shout out to that Xbox Live tech support guy. Yeah, I'm listen, really, yeah. Glad he's cool. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this movie is basically, what if there was a good guy with a gun? <laughs> as, uh, <laughs> as Harrison Ford is going along uh, with a submachine gun in the bottom of a plane, which you'd think would be kind of dangerous. But, you know, I guess he's a Republican in this movie, so. I love that this movie has stakes. It's like, oh, man, they're going to kill these te- these hostages. And they just murder, like, 20 people in cold blood while he's hiding on that plane. Yeah, so while he's hiding so down there, people die. They, they're like, oh, there must be a Secret Service agent. Because one of our guys got shot, who wasn't shot before. So something's going on here. And if we, if we can't find him on board, he must be underneath the thing. Okay, let's send Anton... The, the Russian terrorist who's played by the Wishmaster down there. <laughs> <laughs> With the worst kendo scars I've ever seen. I mean, this is it's real rough. It is. I've never seen anything this bad in my life, that okay. guy's face. <laughs> There's a rogue agent down there. Okay, guys, one at a time. Get in there. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta send uh, my boys, Krabsky and Goylsky, down there to go get him. <laughs> yeah. Krabsky and Goylsky. <laughs> So he kills the Wishmaster. Uh, I don't really have a joke, Parker. Do you? You got something? Harrison Ford kills a lot of people in this movie. Yeah, he really does. The United States. Uh, I'm not complaining, but you know, 
Uh, he breaks his fucking neck. It's so good. So he he while he's fighting the Wishmaster, he calls the White House. It actually is connected to an operator. He's like, "I'm the president, please." Oh, sorry. I'm the president. Please get me through. And she's just like, yeah, sure. He's like, come on, Teresa, call. Come on, I got a gun pointed in my head. I don't have a lot of time. She's like, fine. You know, you want to make the... Oh, you actually are the president. He has the... So while he has the phone in his pocket and the Joint Chiefs of Staff can all hear him, he's just like, oh, it would be a real shame if we were to get shot by other planes, but our force field would just, like, <laughs> knock us off our feet, and I would be able to grab your gun and turn it around on you. But luckily there's no chance of that happening. And they're just like, that's a direct order. Let's do it! <laughs> I'm a master of reverse psychology. Nobody suck my dick. I would hate it. You know, you know, Mr. Ford, this is just like, you know, one of those mind tricks from that movie you were in. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is about things belonging in museums and Nazis and such. Yeah, I was just in the conversation as well. Yeah, okay. And, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, he kills off Anton. And, like, a dozen more people. Uh, but he does have to let... Who was that woman? What, what was her role in his administration? That's a good question. Yeah, I think in, she was, like, just some <laughs> lady. Yeah, she's just some lady, but she gets a lot of, like, FaceTime on the screen. I was like, who is this? Is this, like, the Monica Lewinsky of the movie? And No, it's just some girl. Is she the one that gives the tour guide at the beginning? To yeah, the yeah. <laughs> she dies... So brutal. Yeah. yeah. So fucking. She's so just publicly. like weeping over the intercom, like, oh gosh, we're going to see my family. He just shoots her in the face. As our brave president, she's in the cargo, like, damn, I should really do something about this. Yeah. And that's, I have to admit, though, he does it right in front of a 12 year old girl. I'm like, geez, that's pretty intense. And as Gary Oldman, sorry, Igor the terrorist, says later on, I would turn my back on God. For Mother Russia. <laughs> I'm like, that guy's Same. not a Catholic. <laughs> Big shout out to the scene where he's like, which one is the daughter when there's only one person on the plane <laughs> under the age of 45? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if William H. Mason is just like, well, actually, I in my previous life, I was... <laughs> Could you imagine if they hijacked a British plane instead and it was just like some guy dressed as a 12-year-old? <laughs> Bring me the Minister of Silly Walks. He's my next <laughs> we should say, like, the ticking clock of every 30 minutes someone is getting murdered is an incredibly good ticking clock. Oh, yeah. Because they murder a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I liked it quite a bit. Uh, the movie actually works, for the most part, as, like, an action thriller. You know, I was having a really good time. I was... There were a Same. lot of points where I wasn't quite sure what they were going to do next. Uh... I didn't know, for example, that they were going to invoke the 25th Amendment. <laughs> it's like a natural subplot for a movie like this, but most of the time the movie won't go for it. And to put it in this, right. I was really, really happy. I loved it because this is one of the things that, like, if someone were to watch it today, as we did, you could, like, obviously bring up the Trump thing. People were bringing up the 25th Amendment all the time. They were just like, oh, there's got to be some way we can get him out. We'll pretty do sure this one. He's this, compromised. I'm you pretty can't sure this through. movie's the reason those people knew what it is. That's a possibility. That's a real <laughs> possibility. I wouldn't be surprised if fucking Joy Reid mentioned it on her show. And uh, their reason for it in this one is, was it the defense secretary, the guy from the Langoliers, is just like... Uh, he's clearly compromised because his wife and daughter are on board. He's not making decisions as a president. He's making decisions as a human being. We don't have 
imprisonment. And he's telling Glenn Close to sign the paper, and she's just like, no. I mean, he's right, because we get to the end, after like over an hour of him just like sneaking around like Solid Snake, and we don't negotiate with terrorists. As soon as he gets captured, he's like, I won't fucking call him. Fuck you, I'll never call him. I'm going to shoot your daughter. Oh, God, wait, I'll call him. Jesus Christ, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Actually, they were right. We'll, we'll get to absolutely that. been removed from power. <laughs> we should also talk about the... So, in a lot of movies that we've seen, uh, in a lot of movies that most other people have seen, there's usually what they call a dramatic loading file. It's like that file transfer. It's like that one little paper goes from one folder to the other. In this one, there's a dramatic fax machine. I was so on board. I like that one woman explaining the concept of secret fax machines to Harrison Ford, and he's just like, We're going to make you Postmaster General. <laughs> I like how she's the only one that's any help on that entire plane. It's <laughs> a good point, yeah. It's a good thing she didn't get shot. Truly incredible how useless most of the people on this plane are. It really does take Harrison Ford. I have to else... admit, like, I was watching this just like, jeez, what is it? I don't even know any of these people's names. What are they going to do? Turns out what they're going to do is mostly fall off the plane when the back of it opens <laughs> up. And eat bullets. <laughs> Did not expect that. Holy shit. That was, that was really funny to me. Like, for for as stupid on its, on its face as this movie is, like, there's a lot of, like, really smart ideas like fucking dumping all the fuel to make the plane go lower in altitude to refuel to get all the people off that's really smart i'm glad somebody yeah. in that writer's room thought of that like yeah I, I mean i'm not sure i believe that harrison ford knows that much about how planes work but like i don't care it doesn't matter well then the cgi well, plane like... returns when we see the outside <laughs> shots <laughs> there's multiple like generals and secret service agents all that's like there's like four people with guns. You just rush them. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, okay, thank you. If I was on that plane, things would have gone down differently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, hey, uh, if we don't stop this, like, the nuclear war is going to happen. Like, all right, William H. Macy, you're just going to have to fucking take that bullet and run at him. Sorry, dude, but you got to get in there. There were so many moments where it's just like, you could just bum rush them and you would win. Like, four people would be dead, but I don't even know their names, so. Go for it. I could be dead also, anyway. these people are willing to sacrifice themselves for the president anyway. And everyone in that boardroom is willing to sacrifice all 50 of them anyways. Yeah. They know the game. They're yeah. on Air Force One. They know, like, look, if shit goes sideways, we're dying here tonight. Yeah. You don't just hop on Air Force One casually. You understand that there is a situation occurs, you are dying if it need be. You yeah. do not matter in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Swimmers get wet, boxers get punched in the face, people who but, get on Air Force but, One probably get shot. Well, they just sit there and go, I'm goes. terrified this is going to be me next. Like, <laughs> oh, that one guy. <laughs> Shout out to the one guy who is who I recognize, like, oh, that's one of the guys from Married with Children who is in No Man. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god. How did Real you do see that? him? Have you been texting my dad? Crippling autism. I can't believe I just heard that. That's that is the most pool. legendary pool I think I've ever heard. <laughs> big fan of Mary Children. Oh my we god! We talked about that I, off. I, dude, I love Mary with Children too, but so did my dad. I would swear he must have been texting <laughs> yeah, him. <dude. laughs> anyway, uh, um, we have uh, frequent conversations. Yeah, dude, I fucking love Mary with Children. Anyway, oh, BLM. <laughs> Gary Oldman. We got to talk about the parachute kill on Gary Oldman. Oh my god! Because everyone <laughs> talks about the get off. Sorry. Get off my plane. And <laughs> Gary Oldman, it's the way that he gets killed is so awesome. He's got the thing around his neck and, the, you know, the parachute and then the kick. Pow! 
And then he just falls off anyway. So this shitty CGI of him outside of the plane just falling out with his neck broken. Incredibly good. It looks terrible, but I'm glad they committed to it because it's really funny. Yeah. Now this it's, comes after just floating down. Now this comes after the scene where Gary Oldman holds a gun to his daughter's head and says, "Give me what I want. Release Radic, and two potatoes." And Harrison Ford's of <laughs> <laughs> premise ridiculous kid, but I will give you the terror. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so they release this Radic guy, and I'm just reminded of the Cradle of Life where he's getting out of the prison. <laughs> Oh, I'm really glad you're still thinking about that movie. movies to come back to me. <laughs> so as he's walking out of the courtyard, like, he's feeling so hot to try. He's just on top of the world. Look at me. I'm Che Guevara, but Russian. Suddenly they get a call from Glenn Close who's just like, actually, let him up. And the Russians are like, oh, yeah. yeah. And dude, that guy hears a click. He's like, what? <laughs> it turns into a red mist. Because <laughs> my notes right here read, all right, he's been released. Now just shoot him in the head. Oh, God, I was just kidding. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, is the terrorist gone? Cool. Yeah, and they just light this dude up from behind. He never sees it coming. He's just dead in the snow. I'm pretty sure there's friendly fire, too. I think, like, one of the guys who shot at him, like, a straight bullet hits his shoulder. They were that desperate to kill this guy. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Russian uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff just start celebrating and high-fiving and chest-bumping over killing this guy. (laughs) So, like, it needs to be said, like, everything's come to a head. Gary Oldman's dead. All the terrorists are gone. The general's been released and then executed. And I'm like, all right, man, I gotta pee. And I pause it. And there's, like, 20 fucking minutes left in this movie somehow. Now... It's obscene. This takes it down, like, a whole star grade. Because, my God, there are... 40 endings. See, that's the thing that really gets me about this, is that the ending of Con Air is like an extra entire short at the end of the movie, but it's still really good and it's worth watching just for that ending. The ending in this is just like, what are we doing? What's going on here? Uh, well, you know I, I, uh, I'm still here for it. The, the fucking, Everything with the fucking zip line, like, I'm, I'm, I'm here. It's fine. It's a good idea, care. but at this point, I have to admit, my butt is getting a little bit numb at, uh, by this point in the movie. I will couch, say, dude. up to this up to this point, I basically believed everything that was happening could possibly happen. Like, yeah, Harrison Ford is a little too handsome to be president, but, like, I could buy something like this technically happening. And then the person they put behind the controls of the plane is Harrison Ford. <laughs> now, this has gone south several times. <laughs> this, is, this is on the level of Keenan flying the plane and snakes on a plane. he's like the last guy who should be in that cockpit uh oh there's our cold open beavis and butthead's (laughs) cockpit (laughs) (laughs) i will say the escape sequence is pretty tight with the zip line that's a great idea and it looks cool um I don't know that that would work in real life, but I don't care. I, yeah, 100% do not give a shit. It fucking I would <laughs> Part of me was just like, oh, I'm not going to go. I'd take my chances with the plane going down. And the other part of me would just be like, first in line. <laughs> Look, let's get this straight. Air Force One is a perfect Sunday on TNT. You drink way too much Saturday night. You're just trying to recover. It's the perfect movie for that. But by the time they're ziplining... You're taking a midday nap. You are down for the count. Yeah. 
Like the next movie's already also, started right as you're waking up and you're just like, nailed it. That's, we totally <laughs> just skipped the past. past bar. It's like, oh, all the terrorists are dead. Hey, did you guys see Top Gun? <laughs> what if we just did that for like 10 minutes? <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, because this movie has five endings. They're like, man, just... Just make a sequel. See, that's People the thing. It's like at, at the end of the movie, uh, they're trying to be like, oh, we only have time for one more rescue. What are we going to do? Turns out that rogue Secret Service agent, no one saw him this entire time, so no one knows he's secretly a bad guy, and he's still a bad guy Why? to his grave. Why, Why did he, he blow doing? his cover? I have no idea. The plan failed. Everyone's dead. So he just decides zip line he across. Sh- yeah, he just shoots the guy who's going to save them. Does he? I think he shoots William H. Macy. Does he do that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he yeah. He shoots William H. Macy, no, right, yeah. No one would ever know. He'd be like, damn, Mr. President, what a crazy day we had. All right, onto the other plane, let's go. Yeah. But he gives away the whole, like, ah, actually, uh, so I was the mole. It, it does make sense, because there's only time for one more transfer, so he's going to die anyway. Right, so he just, like, like if I'm going to go down, I might as well Yeah, have yeah, shot. exactly. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That's the logic. I, like, it actually yeah. does make I, sense in the movie. It's just Yeah, I get dumb. it. I yeah. know, but... You know, just yeah. die with honor. Be like, oh, Mr. President, it was an honor serving you. Then you get a bunch of fucking purple hearts. And you get you get your little tomb up in Arlington. Instead what, if, what if you live? What if when the plane hits, you just swim to land? That's what I would have done. Exactly. Anyway, uh, the plane hits, and it's the worst CGI explosion I've ever seen in my life. And uh, cut to... Actually, I have to admit, I like the way this line was said. It's like a dramatic line. It's like... Ladies and gentlemen, uh, airline MG-17 is now Air Force One, and everyone starts clapping and everything, and Glenn Close holds up the paper of all the signatures of, like, hey, the president's gone rogue, the 25th Amendment, and like a scene in Langoliers, Parker. Fuck yourself. (laughs) Turn your camera off. Turn it off. Just waiting an hour and a half to do that to me. Oh, so yeah, basically Langoliers 2. Uh, I gotta admit, Air Force 1, pretty good movie. I'm glad I got to see this. Air Force 1, pretty good two-hour movie. Fantastic hour 45 movie. Correct. Yes, <laughs> yeah, correct. Because like, this movie should just start with Air Force 1, starring Harrison Ford, and then just cut to them on the plane. <laughs> we have 15 minutes of build-up, and then 15 minutes of extra endings that don't matter. Yeah. But you know what? Still a great time. Would have absolutely watched three or four more of these. Oh yeah, yeah. But, uh, I don't know how it got a chance to watch. But <laughs> maybe we maybe we recast <laughs> the president and go direct to DVD like President Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs> absolutely. Oh yeah. Oh, now I have to see it. Because <laughs> like this one was like, oh, it's like Die Hard on a plane. You're like, ah, that's stupid. But also, <laughs> turns out this is a good premise that works yeah. every single time. Yeah. Let's go back to that. Well, let's go back to me like, hey, you like Die Hard? How about a uh, train? You guys like Denzel Washington? <laughs> I do. Let's go. And that's the T, sis.